0: The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, Grove Church. How are you feeling? All right, this is going to be one of those messages where you're going to want to fasten your seatbelt. I am fired up today. I'm going to be screaming for about 35 minutes. I'm pretty fired up about this topic, and uh, it's going to be a little off the cuff. I'm going to try to do my best. stay on the pages of my notes, but I really feel God's spirit in my heart stirring something in my heart that I believe he wants to say to each and every single one of you. Can I hear an amen? Hey, my name's Andrew. I'm so thrilled that you're here today. If you don't know anything about the Grove Church, welcome. We are one church, two locations, Grove Marysville and Grove Snohomish. We've been in Snohomish since early September, launched in, in this community, and God's doing some amazing things here within our church that we're super excited about. I want to piggyback on what Kyle said about youth camp. One of my best experiences growing up as a student is going to camp. It's awesome to get away for three days, hang out with other believers, stay up way too late, drink way too much Mountain Dew. And so I just want to encourage you, if you're a student, 6th through 12th grade, we'd love for you to join us um, at this camp. The cool and unique thing about this camp is I'm actually the one speaking at this camp. Kyle and Emily are the ones leading worship at this camp and happens to be with my niece and her husband, Jacob and Madison Cormier, who are youth pastors in Idaho. And Jacob was a part of our youth ministry when I first started out. So I get to speak at his first camp as a youth pastor, and I'm pretty fired up about watching that kid grow and seeing what God's doing in his life. So pretty cool opportunity for our students to hear from me, but also to connect with Kyle and Emily. I want to encourage you to do that. I also want to encourage you, I look up there and I see, you know, 170 bucks for students, and I'm like, oh my word, well, I have three students, and how am I going to send them all to go? I just want you to know right now that money is not a problem for God. If you have a student that wants to go to camp, and you're like, man, I could never even afford to pay that. I'm telling you now, there's people in this room that will pay your student's way to go to camp. You're like, how do you know that? Because I see them time and time again acting in generosity. So don't let money be a hindrance for your student going to camp. If money's a problem, God will make a way. You come talk to me in the lobby. I guarantee by the end of today, someone will come up to me, no pressure. It already happens every Sunday. Someone will come up to me and say, hey, I'll pay for someone to go to camp. God's already sure in your heart to do it. I'll pay for a student to go to camp. Man, I want, I want to pay for two students to go to camp. So don't let money be a problem. God will move. God will provide. Can I hear an amen? amen. I'm telling you, I'm fired up about today. I hope you're ready for it. I'm not, I'm not normally fired up like this, but today I'm feeling his power in my heart. We opened up this series asking these questions, this series called Life Multiplied, making the most of what God has given us. We opened this series and I asked these questions and I want to ask them again to you today. I want you just to ponder some of these questions as we dive into this idea of what does it mean to live the abundant life? Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. What does this abundant life look like? And I like to phrase it in questions. Questions like this, if you're taking notes. Who will you be on December 31st, 2019? Who will you be? Today's the 27th of January. When this end of this year and that clock rings the bell at midnight, who will you be on that day? What will be different about your life on that day? Or another question, will you be more closer to Jesus than you were today on December 31st, 2019? A challenge to all of us who are reading this Bible throughout the year here every single day uh, following a Bible reading plan. Will you have read the entire Bible in 2019 and got the badge on Version that for the first time in your walk with Christ, you read the entire Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelations by just taking about 10 to 15 minutes in every single day and dedicating yourself to the word of God. What will be different about your life? Will you have served yourself or will you have served others? Will you have taken upon the discipline of generosity? What will be different at the end of this year about your life? Had a really unique opportunity this week. It's been kind of a crazy week for me and my family. I woke up Tuesday morning, 4 a.m., got in a car. Drove to SeaTac, can't wait till Everett Payne opens up for flights. Drove all the way down to SeaTac, got on a plane, and headed to Miami. We paid for uh, this conference. It's like a four-part conference cohort, and this was the second one. So I was in Miami for two days this week. Flew home, direct flight from Miami, back home Thursday night, and was home in my bed by midnight. So it's been a little bit of a crazy week for me, and maybe the lack of sleep is making me a little bit more fired up. But I was sitting in Miami this week. Currently, right now, I'm 33 years old, and I'm sitting in Miami, and I'm sitting at a church called Trinity Church with Pastor Rich Wilkerson. And all these memories just begin to flood my mind, and all these experiences begin to flood my mind of what happened to me 17 years ago when I was 16 years old. At 16 years old, I had a really unique opportunity to fly down to Miami, Florida, in the inner city of Miami, and be a part of a mission trip at Trinity Church. With Pastor Rich Wilkerson, if you know anything about him, he's been around for a long time doing incredible work for God. Well, I forgot to fly down on this, on this mission trip, and the only thing that they had really told us about this trip was that we were going to be putting on a summer camp in the inner city through this church, and the church puts on these camps, and we were going to get to volunteer and be a part of hanging out with kids and having fun and doing all this kind of stuff. That's all I knew about Miami at that point. I had no frame of reference. I had flown to different parts of the country, but never, obviously, to Miami. It was the middle of July, and I will never forget when I got off of the plane. I literally got off the plane, and I just took a deep breath. I'm like, what is that feeling? The humidity was insanity, okay? It was about 95 degrees that summer and 100% humidity, okay? Now, I was from California, born in California, moved here in Washington when I was eight, so I've never experienced humidity like this, and it just swept me off my feet. Imagine, just imagine for a second, taking a shower, getting all pretty or all handsome, and then walking outside and feel like you just took a shower again. That's what it feels like. It is so overwhelming to, to try to process the weather when you've not experienced this at all. So the first day, I'm literally just sweating through my entire body all day, all night, never stopped sweating. It was disgusting, okay? And, um, and I remember showing up for the orientation on day one, and they were giving us a couple briefings about the camp. And, and they said, by the way, you know, everything's outside, you know, this whole camp's outside. I'm like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die in these next five days. And literally, I almost did die. No, I didn't. But it was crazy. It was so hot. It was so, hum- the humidity was so bad. And I remember walking out into the, to the parking lot, kind of waiting for all these kids to show up, and I literally was just flabbergasted. And, and, and this is, again, I want you to hear my heart here, uh, how many Cubans there were sweet, dark little kids, how many African-Americans they were, and how many Hispanics they were. I mean, they were covered everywhere. And I'm just like, oh my word, look at all the, and 500 of them. I'm like, oh my word, these kids are am-. And you know, and when I first met them, I'm telling you right now, they were mean. No, 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 no like meaner than mean, okay? These kids were from the hood, Most of them had no dad growing up in their life. Most of them had a single parent or a grandma raising them. Their mouths were foul, okay? They had zero respect for adults, zero respect for authority. They could care a lick about who I was, why I was there in their life at this camp, and who cared, okay? If If you wanna use colorful language, they would flip the bird at me. They would drop four letter words at me on the first day, Honestly, these kids were rotten, okay? They were rotten little kids. They drove me crazy the first day. I'm like, how can kids be this awful? (laughs) Literally, this is what I was thinking as I was on this this, this trip. And it was amazing to be a part of this camp, these kids and their lives and, and doing all of this trip. And we would have, you know, different activities and different events and we would do all these things, Now we'll pause there, we'll get back to that story here in a minute. Here I am now, 33 years old, sitting in a room at Trinity Church with Pastor Rich Wilkerson doing the the Wednesday morning class, and I'm just looking at him and going, man, I was here 17 years ago as a part of this camps that you're now talking about and the impact it's made in people's lives. This is the church that has dedicated their life mission to open up the doors to their community and impact the city of Miami in incredible ways. And he began to tell me about story after story of what God was doing in his church. He began to tell me about his son, Rich Wilkerson Jr., how he just launched a church about a year ago, and and a 1,000 people from their church went to launch a church in the the downtown heart of Miami, and he began to talk about how his son growing up was a part of these camps and was a part of bringing these kids to the camps, and he would say, man, all the people, he's like, here's what we started realizing, all the people that we had sent out to launch Rich Jr.'s church, all these kids, when we got to their store and we asked them what was going on in their lives, all these kids said, we were a part of your summer camps 20 years ago. We were a part of your camp 17 years ago. I was seven when I was at your camp, Pastor Rich, and now I'm going to help your son plant a church in downtown Miami. And I was just blown away. I'm sitting there, I'm just kind of like these deja vu moments like, I was at one of these camps. And now, you know, 17, 18 years later, I'm hearing about the stories and the impact of what God is doing through that church and through his people. Why am I telling you all this? Because something happens through the power of the Holy Spirit when we say yes to serving. Something happens. Something happens inside of our hearts when we get outside of ourselves and we do something for the living God and we make a sacrifice with our time. Something happens. It's our greatest resource in life. A lot of times we think money is our greatest resource. I want to challenge that. I think time right now is our greatest resource. But see, something happens in the believer, in the heart of every person, when you decide, I'm going to give of myself to a person. I'm going to give of myself to a church. I'm going to give of myself to a neighborhood. I'm going to do something outside of what I'm comfortable with. I'm going to use my time, my talents, my abilities to make an impact for Jesus Christ. Something happens inside of our heart. It's it's a life-multiplied principle. When we spend our time helping others, we have less time for ourselves. But here's the principle. But we believe that serving others breaks our self-centeredness and multiplies our love for others. Something we will never see without serving. We will never see A side of God's character and his nature until we step out and begin to improve our serve. Until we step out and realize man, God has given me ability, God has given me resources, God has given me talents, and he wants to use me for his kingdom. The Bible is chock full of examples about serving, about reaching out, about being a light. I I just picked up four for this message. Let me just read four different passages here of just the power of serving and what God says through the authors in scripture. First of all, a couple from the Apostle Paul here. This is Galatians 5, 13 through 15. Very famous verse here. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another for the whole law is fulfilled in one word you shall love your neighbor as yourself here's another one ephesians 2:10 maybe even more famous for some of us who know the scripture paul again writing for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Last one here. These are Jesus's words here. And he said to them in Matthew 22, 37, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Let's pray for God's word today. God, I just thank you so much for our church, the Grove Church. I thank you, God, for calling me, God, into ministry. I thank you, God, that these stories, God, are not just cute little stories, but God, they are powerful representations of what you've done in my life. And I pray it would speak to every heart in here today. God, you are calling us to serve. Lord, you are calling people right now at the end of this service to do something with the gifts and the talents and the abilities that they have, and I pray, God, they would not wait. I pray, God, they would be bold. I pray, God, they would live on the edge. God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, you would spark in our hearts a desire to reach the communities that we are a part of, and I thank you, God, that you modeled it in Scripture. You showed us it, and you want to encourage us to do the same. And all God's people said, amen. Let me just break down a couple thoughts here. And then I'm going to get riled up again here. In Galatians, Paul is tired of the church. He's tired of the church following these old traps and these old patterns of the old law. He's trying to convince them, specifically in Galatians, that now that Christ has come, the law has been fulfilled. And they continue to get trapped into wanting to practice the Old Testament law that was meant for the nation of Israel. Paul is saying that because of Jesus Christ, in this passage here, because of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial and resurrection, you can now experience salvation, this saving from your sins. But Paul is even alluding more to that, not just salvation, but freedom. Freedom from the law, freedom from bondage, freedom from old patterns. And he's saying, I want you to use this freedom to serve one another In love. He's saying that the entire law of Moses, all the Ten Commandments, all 600 and whatever laws in the Levitical priesthood, in the book of Leviticus, all of these laws, now that Christ has come, comes down to this one thing to love your neighbor as yourself. It's summed up in that right there to love your neighbor as yourself. Now that you've been freed from sin, now that you've experienced salvation, now that you've experienced joy and hope and grace and mercy, now that you've experienced all these things, I want you to use this amazing freedom not to cloud about it, not to judge others about it. I want you to use this amazing freedom I've given you to serve one another in love. It's powerful. Paul again in Ephesians, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Again, Paul is encouraging the entire body of Christ. Not just a pastor, not just a staff, not just a small people who work for the church, the entire body of Christ. He's encouraging them that you and I are his workmanship. You and I are God's workers prepared in advance to do good works for Jesus. And now Jesus' words, and nobody wants to argue with Jesus, Jesus' words, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus model to us servanthood, sacrifice, and serving others. And the last one here, Jesus' words again, not mine. And he said to them, this greatest commandment, that you shall love the Lord God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, Catch this for a minute, this is very powerful. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It hinges all on this. Number one, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. What is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that all of this Old Testament, all of the authors, all of the law, the the Ten Commandments, everything that we have read in the scriptures prior to this point, now that I have come and now through the death, burial, and resurrection, it now comes down to these two simple things, to love God and to love people. To love God with everything that you have, to put your life into matching your lifestyle to the lifestyle of Christ, Christ through his Holy Spirit, and to love others and be an example to others, and to treat them and to love them just like you love yourself. See, it's interesting because I meet people all the time, whether it's on Sundays or throughout the week, or in conversations. And there's a new phrase going around that I hear from people all the time. And the conversation usually goes like this. I meet someone for the first time, maybe they came to the Grove Church for the first time, maybe you're here today for the first time, and I hear them say, yeah, we're church shopping right now. And yeah, we're, we're church shopping. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, tell me about that. Yeah, we've been to here and we've been there and we've been here and we've been there and we checked out this and we checked out that and we're, we're shopping for a church. Have you ever heard this phrase? Go and just raise your hand for me, all right? Yeah, it's put more popular. And we're shopping for a church like we're shopping for a new outfit. And I'm like, oh, okay, well yeah, tell me about your experience there. Tell me about your experience there. And I always wanna like not be prideful and, and arrogant. I always wanna like just say to them, you found the best one. You know, I always want to say that. But I'm like, I'm trying to like be sensitive and kind and PC. It's like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a great church. And oh man, they're preaching Jesus. That's a great church. And again, it's not a competition. It's capitalized C church and big K kingdom, Right. This isn't a competition. It's God working through all sorts of churches that are preaching and believing the Bible and teaching Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. But it's always an interesting conversation when you, as the pastor, is hearing from people are like, yeah, well, we went here and we didn't like that, but we like this, and we went there and like this, but didn't like that. And then they're talking to you, and I'm like, well, what do you like about here and what do you don't like about here? You know, it's just this funny thing. And you just want to be honest. You want to say, well, you found the right place. Well, we're glad you're here. Well, welcome. Please come back, you know. Don't leave. I mean, probably you want to try to convince them, but you know it's only the Holy Spirit that draws people to his church. But I, but I, I want to raise the temperature in the room today a little bit, and I want to tell you about what kind of church the Grove Church Snohomish is. I want to tell you what this church is going to be defined by and be known by because for a lot of people, you're looking for a church, you're looking for a family, you're looking to belong, you're looking to be welcome, and I want to make sure everybody understands the passion that burns in my heart for this church. I want to make sure when you leave today, you go, wow, that guy was nuts. I hope you say that at lunch today because I am. I really wanna raise the temperature of what I believe God's church is supposed to be and what I believe he's called the Grove Church to be. And I'm going on 10 years being a part of the Grove Church and I've seen this displayed through our church. And I'll give you numerous examples here in a moment. But what kind of church is Grove Church Snohomish? What is this church going to be known for? meaning the people, not a building. What are the dreams of this church and where is it going? What kind of church am I actually a part of? And you can tell this to all your friends. You can tell this to all your coworkers and it will never stray from this mission. We are going to pour our lives into the city of Snohomish. We're going to pour our lives into the city. We are going to find ways to enter every entity in this community and shine the love of Jesus. Every sphere of influence, a Grover is going to be present. Every sphere of influence in the city of Snohomish, a Grover is going to be present. We're gonna be a part of the chamber. We're gonna be a part of the Boys and Girls Club. We're gonna be a part of the city. We're gonna join the historical district committee. We're gonna get into every school, into every platform, and we're gonna learn and grow a love and a heart for the city of Snohomish. That's what this church is gonna do. Other churches are doing great things, but this is what we're gonna do. This is all vision and all passion. I told you to fasten your seatbelt. How will this happen? We are going to become students of this community. We are going to learn the language. We are going to learn the culture. We're going to learn the vibe. And then we're going to ask ourselves, what does Snohomish, Washington need? What does this town of 11,000-something need? What are the needs of this community? Not the needs of the Grove Church. we got plenty of needs, but God always provides. But what is the needs of this school right here that we meet in, Snohomish High School? What's the need of Glacier Peak? What's the need of the neighbors that live off Machias? What's the need of the local businesses down in historic downtown? What do they need and how can the Grove Church bless them? How can the Grove Church pour out God's love on them? How can the Grove Church partner with them? How can the Grove Church be a light to them? How? How can we do that? This is the kind of church the Grove Church Snohomish is going to be. What are the needs of this community? and how can we serve it? You're like, well, you don't know the needs of this community, I've lived here my whole life. That's awesome, I haven't, but I'm gonna find out, and you're gonna find out, and we're gonna become students of this community. We're gonna learn. In, in September, I got to meet with the mayor, he came actually on our launch and prayed for teachers, and maybe you're here for that, his name's John, he's a great guy, and when I met him, to be honest with you, I didn't think he was the mayor. And no offense to him, I told him this. I said, most people I see in governance got the suit and the tie on. And when I met him, it was like jeans and a button down. And I'm like, man, you're the man? Okay, how's it going? And he's like, hey, let's go on a walk, which I thought was a little strange, you know, two dudes walking around. And so I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we're walking around downtown Snohomish, and he's showing me this building. He's telling me about what happens at this time of the year. He's telling me about this thing. He's telling me all the big car show they do at the last Sunday of September. He's telling me about this, and we're walking around. We take the the walk along the river, and I'm like, man, my legs are getting tired. I didn't tell him this. I'm like, this guy likes to walk. And so we're just walking. He's just telling me. He's a believer. He begins to tell me. He said, man, you may not see this. You may not understand this, but, man, this town really needs Jesus. He said, "There, there are a lot of people here that don't know him. He said, you know, Andrew, I've been a mayor now for however, you know, a couple of years now. And he's like, I walk around a lot, as you can tell. And I just see students everywhere, man. They got nothing to do. There's nowhere for a student to go in the city of Snohomish. There's nothing other than the Boys and Girls Club. There's nothing for them in this town. And then he just, you know, we skipped on talking about other things. And I was just like spinning in my head. Okay, God, right now there's nothing for students in this town. There's nothing for students to go to. And I, I just begin to dream a little bit in my heart. I was, my mind began to spin, spin and I've dreamed about this for years. And I've, Nick and I have dreamed about this for years. And other pastors and people have dreamed about this for years. And I've dreamed of like a youth center. I, I, I've dreamed of, of, a, of a large building that has a gym because I love the game of basketball. I love it. I want to see guys ball and having fun. I, I start I start dreaming. I start I see a room and there's like there's teachers who are good at math and students who are bad, and there's mentorship and discipleship and tutoring happening. I see people looking for jobs and needing to know how to interview and need to know how to dress for a job. And I see people helping them trying to figure out a job. I start, start dreaming of all these things. Like, oh man, God, what would it be like if students could come and they're volunteering and they're working and it's their space, but it's a safe place, and students can gather and I start dreaming. I didn't share any of these things with you, but these are just things in my mind. I see guys competing and having fun, but having great attitudes on the court, and I'm just dreaming about all these things. I see us hosting tournaments and parents and families and relationships and relatives and people are just learning, and it's all because why? Because he felt the need, he saw the need, he answered the need. See all the people in the room who aren't as excited as me, and you tend to look at a glass half empty, you're like, well, well, how's that gonna happen? <laughs> huh. Yeah, that's, that's big, and who's going to pay for it, you know? And where? Where is it going to be? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. That's a terrible plan. I know it is. I know it's a terrible plan. I know it's a terrible plan. But we know the God who owns the cattle on the hill we, we know the God that said, come and ask and ask and seek me and you will find And knock and the door will be open. We know, the, we know the God that says, I'm looking for people to be bold, risky, living on the edge type people. And I want to use them. See, people's negativity won't beat me down. Financial problems won't get in our way. I believe if God puts a dream in someone's heart, that there's opportunity for God to answer it. See, I want to live on the edge. I want you to live on the edge. I want you to think about what it's like to meet 500 children that most of them don't have fathers. I want you to think what it's like just for a moment interacting with all these kids which I don't look nothing like them so they already don't trust me. And the only language they know are four-letter words. In five days, you know what began to happen? Day one, man, they hated me. Day one, they were flipping the bird at me, and even Pastor Rich Wilkerson nicknamed them the FU kids. He said that in the training this week. I'm like, whoa. But that's how they lay, because these kids are rough, and they're tough, and they don't know anything different. Day two, I began to learn some of their names. Day three, now we're starting to build some relationship. Okay, day four and day five, man, they're tackling me on the ground and giving me noogies in my head and they're hugging on me. Some of them are calling me daddy. Some of them are calling me best buddy. They love it. And yeah, it was a five-day mission trip. Sure, where unlimited time was spent in investing in these kids' lives. Absolutely, that's unique. But what did God do? God took a young punk kid at 17 years old and said, "Go, and I'll use you." You know what God did in the scriptures when 5,000 people needed to be fed? If you know the scriptures, this was like this little boy, and one of the disciples was like, "Well, well, this guy, he's got two loaves and three fishes. This guy he's got, he's got something to give. And what happened? God multiplied and multiplied and multiplied it. Life multiplied. I love it. One of the gospels is like, and there was food left over. Yeah, I bet if I was a disciple doing that, seeing that miracle happen, I'd be like, well, man, this is a lot of food for a lot of people, but is there going to be any left for me? I mean, if, was, if I was a disciple at that time, I would have thought that. And yet there was food and baskets left over. Why? Because God took a little boy with the little that he had and he multiplied it. See, a lot of times you're like, man, I don't even know where to go. I don't know what to do. How would God use me? I want to encourage you today. You just got to start somewhere. You just got to start somewhere. For for me right now, I'm reading a book called The Art of Neighboring. I recommend it if you like to read. I'm reading a book right now called The Art of Neighboring. And as I'm reading this book in the plane, it just convicted me so much. The first challenge in the book is just, hey, get to know every single one of your neighbor's names. Every single one of them. As I'm reading this book, I'm like, well, let's see. Okay. I know Judy and Arden and I know Calvin and Chad and Michelle. And I got like 30 neighbors and I don't even know majority of their names. I don't know them. And how long have I lived in that neighborhood going on nine years? I'm going to start somewhere. I got to get to know their names. If I'm going to build a relationship, if I'm going to do something for God, I got to practice it myself. You have to start somewhere when, you, when it comes to improving your serve. I'm going to give you just some practical steps here and have the worship team come up here. We're going to do something a little bit different today as we end service, but I'm just going to give you some, some next steps here. I know I'm a lot fiery than I normally am today, but this week was just a profound week for me, but I, I'm just going to give you some next steps here. I'm just going to encourage you right now that if you, if you are a part of the Grove Church Snohomish, this is your family, this is your church, you're done shopping and you found it, I, I'm going to encourage you, especially if you have little kids and they're a part of our kids' ministry, I'm going to encourage you as a parent to serve once a month in Grove Kids. I am. I'm going to challenge you and encourage you that these kids They need spiritual mentors and individuals that care deeply about their walk with Jesus Christ. See, a lot of times we look at kids' ministry in church and we think it's childcare. Well, I drop off my kid so I can enjoy service. I want you to shift your thinking there. It's not childcare. It's an investment in the life of a student so that when you're age, they know Jesus. I'm gonna encourage you to step into serving once a month, especially if you have kids that you send to our kids' department. I'm gonna encourage you to look at ways to find a need and fill it here in the Grove Church. You go, man, I see that that's a need. I I could could help with that. I I could greet at a door, man. I I could run a computer. And you may show up on a Sunday and you go, wow, this is just all put together. It just all happens. It happens because there are a faithful few volunteers who make it happen. And I wanna encourage you that the faithful few need to become the faithful many. The faithful few need to become the faithful many. Some of you, you don't have young kids anymore. You're already up at 6 a.m. And you're like, man, I can show up at 7 and help set up. I'm not doing anything other than drinking coffee and reading the paper. I don't have kids at home anymore. Well, yeah, then you can join our setup team. Some of you are like, man, that's a god-awful time to be at church. I would never show up for that. That's okay. In about 30 minutes, it's all going to get tore down. And you can help lift some things and help do some teardown. And everywhere in between. But that's just here. That, that's just here in this family, in this community. And there's need there. And you got to find that need and you got to fill it. But there's other areas. There are sports teams that you're a part of. There's a neighborhood you live in. There's a job you work at. There's a mom's group you're a part of. There's a barista at a coffee stand that you know. There's a grocery store you shop at. There are neighbors in your community that need the love of Jesus and you got to start somewhere. I love this book as I'm reading The Art of Neighboring. It talks about just the awkwardness of meeting neighbors it's just so awkward. 20 years ago, 25 years ago, we all just were outside playing in our front yards and nobody cared. Now it's like you race home, you pull in your garage, hit the door. You're like, please don't come over here. Please don't come over here. Please don't come over here. You're like, Are they, is that a human over there? Because they don't look human. We're so scared of everybody. You know, you're out mowing your lawn. You're like, please don't talk to me. 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 Talk to me. In the thing, out the door, I'm gone. It's a weird world we live in. We don't trust anybody for anything. Yesterday, I feel like I had to do this yesterday to speak today. Yesterday, I got a neighbor that lives right across the street from me, but right next to them, I got a neighbor, and I don't know their names. They've lived there for so long, and I don't even know their names. And the one guy, he's in this, he's in this front yard, and he's working on his boat and doing weird stuff to his boat, because I guess that's what guys do. And so I walked over there, and I was like, Hey, man, <laughs> so awkward. It was. It was so awkward. And he's like, how's it going? I'm like, good. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I'm replacing my carburetor. Cool, man. I know nothing about carburetors and nothing about boats, but tell me about it. Ten minutes. His name's Sean. Got to know him. Know his name. His name's Sean. That's all I know right now, and he likes boats. His name is Sean. He likes boats. Those are the two things I know about him. I didn't know that 24 hours ago. You gotta start somewhere, and yes, it's awkward. It's so awkward. You're like, man, Andrew, you're such an extrovert. You love this kind of stuff. I actually still face the awkwardness. My heart still races. Another thing in this book, it says, man, just go bake something for people. Remember when someone moved into your neighborhood and you're like, brought over a pie? What was that like? You're like, welcome to the neighborhood. They're like, oh. Now it's like, is there something in it? Is this gonna kill me? And it's like, what? we're so afraid, you know? We're so afraid. Like, what'd you do to it? What are you selling me? You got to start somewhere. You got to start doing something. And it's going to take time. See, what I loved about sitting in that room on Wednesday morning is I listened to a pastor who said, I've been doing these camps for 22 years, every single summer, thousands of kids now. And when they first come to camp, they're all rough. They're all foul. They're all broken. They're all messed up. He's like, and now, 22 years later, I got pastors on my staff that came to my camp. What? I got business leaders in this city that were at my camp, that were a part of that experience. You've got to start somewhere. He wants to use you. He wants to use your gifting. He wants to use your love. He wants to use your smile. He wants to use you. He wants to use you. So we're we're gonna do something totally different today. The giving's gonna happen here in a moment. We're gonna do something so different today. You're gonna be like, this was so weird. I'm never coming back. I'm going church shopping again, all right? We're gonna do something so different today. In just a moment here, I'm gonna have you stand to your feet And we're just going to begin to open our mouths, every single one of us. We're going to begin to open our mouths and ask us, ask our hearts, Jesus, would you show me where to start? Because I'm giving you different ideas and different steps, but it's different for every person in the room. God's calling you and challenging you to something through his Holy Spirit that's different for every person in the room. And I don't know what that is, but I believe the Holy Spirit knows what that is, and he's going to speak to you right now. He's going to begin to put ideas and thoughts in your head. You're going to begin to to speak out, God, where are you calling me to serve? Jesus, where are you calling me to serve? Is it my neighbor? Is it my church? Is it my coworker? Is it my family? Is it my boss? Where are you calling me to improve my serve, to multiply my life with the time I have? Where are you calling me to do it? And some of you, you may come in during the worship experience and you just sit there and you're like, I like the music, it's good. Maybe you don't sing the songs. I'm just going to challenge you today. Even if you don't know what to say, I'm just going to ask, I'm going to challenge you to open up your mouth and I'm going to challenge you just to begin to say the name over and over the name of Jesus. And so I'm going to ask Matthew in the booth, bring those lights down. I'm going to have a stand to our feet today. We're going to take a moment here. We're going to respond to Jesus and his Holy Spirit. When I count to three, we're just going to begin to open up our mouths. If you're comfortable, you set your Bible down, your notepad down. I'm just going to ask you to lift up your hands. I'm going to ask you to lift up your hands. I'm going to ask you just to be focused in this this moment here. We're going to ask God to speak to us, to show us where it is you've called us, where you you want us to do, God. Where are you calling us? Where's your Holy Spirit? When I count to three, we're just going to begin to open up our mouths. If you don't know what to say, you're just going to say, Jesus. If you don't know what to do, trust that God will speak to you right now when I count to three. One, two, three. Three, come on, let's just begin to open up our mouths right now. Jesus, God, we thank you, Father. Lord, we worship you right now. Jesus, would you speak to every heart? Come on, let's just begin to worship. Set the stage here. Let's begin to worship. Let's begin to worship. Jesus, we worship you right now. Would you spark in every heart and every life? God, show me, Jesus. Lord, show me, God, what you have for me. Show every person right now what you have for them, where they're supposed to go, what they're supposed to do, God. Would you show every person right now, Jesus? God, show me how to love my neighbors, God. Show me how to love my family, God. Show me how to love, God, those, God. Show me how to love those in our workplaces, God. Jesus, show me right now, God. Show me right now, God, your spirit moving in hearts, God. Show me right now, God, your spirit moving in hearts and minds right now, God. Show me right now, Jesus. Show me right now, God. Thank you, Jesus. We're just going to stay here for just a moment. We're going to get radical today. We're going to get radical today. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to have my buddy Patrick help me for a minute by grabbing this microphone here. If you're here today, you go, man, as we were doing that, God just put in my heart something. He said, I need to start here. I just want you to share with us what that was. You're like, wow, now you're making me talk on the mic? I am. You would sit here today and go, man, right when you count to three, God told me something to do this week. I need to do it. I need to start here. What did he say to you? Just raise your hand if you had something that God spoke to you. Right here, what did he say to you? Real quick. For sure, absolutely. Yeah, this is good right here. Thank you for sharing that. I love that. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, when they slap you in one cheek, give them the other side. I believe God right here is going to use you in that situation to bring hope and love to your family. In the name of Jesus, reconciliation and healing to that family. Someone else. You go, man, God spoke to me. You count to three, and all of a sudden, he said, start here. I got to start here. Come on. She was bold enough. Someone else. He said, God said, start here. Okay, right here. Jeff in the back. Let's give him the mic. This is how God works. This is how God speaks. He uses moments like this to teach us what to do. Go ahead, Jeff. I've been working with you for 20 years, Andrew. Yeah. And you spoke that, why not serve one time a month kids? And it just boom. Yeah. Come on, I love it. Can we give Jeff a hand? I love it. Here's what I love about that. Here's what I love about that. You're going, oh, Andrew, you're happy. You just got a kid volunteer. No, I'm happy that God is speaking to someone and they're being obedient. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Come on, someone else. Right in the back. Janelle in the back. Let's get to them. Okay. Come on, right there. God working in lives. Generosity, right? Patrick and I were just talking about that outflow of of our lives is generosity. I love it, Nate and Janelle. Someone else. You go, man, God spoke to me right there in that moment. Okay, Brienne, right here. Right behind here. here. Let's get to the mic. Yeah, right, right here. Up, upper level. Wave at him. Wave at him. There you go. Real quick here, Brianna. I love it. I love it. Feeding the homeless. Who doesn't love that? I love that. Come on, we're gonna go one more time because God's gonna speak to some other people. When I count to three, we're gonna open up our mouths. Music's gonna raise, God's gonna speak. This is what he does, he's gonna do it again. Come on, one, two, three. God, thank you for speaking right now. Come on, open up your mouths. Jesus, would you speak to every heart, God? Would you speak to every heart today, Jesus? Jesus, right now, God, start somewhere. God, show me where to start. God, show me where to start, Jesus. Jesus, show me where to start. God, show me where to start, Jesus. Show me where to start, God. Show me where to start, Jesus. Show me where to start. Show me where to start, Jesus. Show me where to start, God. Show us, show us, God. Show us. Okay, one more time. Come on, you felt like God was saying, hey, man, right there, God said something to me. I gotta start here. I gotta start in this moment. Anyone, bold enough to do it. Share what God sparked in your heart. Anyone, come on, be bold, be brave. Okay, hold on, we already went to you. Let me try to go to someone else. Okay, right here up in the front. Right here, let's go to the mic. Where's Patrick at? Patrick, right here up in the front. I love it. Elizabeth, let's hear what God's saying to you. Right here, mic's on on your left here. Yeah, broken people, I love it. I I love that, you know what it is, that's so broad. But God, there are broken people in my neighborhood. God, there are broken people in my work. God, there are broken people in my church, and would you show Elizabeth how to extend his love and his grace? Oh, man. Watch what God will do in your life if you just start somewhere. Let me pray for you here, and then we'll have Ryan come up and and do our giving. With every head bowed and every eyes closed here, God, right now we thank you, Lord, that you're doing a work in our hearts. God, this is not me, this is not Anything but your Holy Spirit calling us to live on the edge, to start somewhere, to do something. And I pray today, God, maybe, maybe someone was a little nervous. Maybe they're a little scared about saying anything. Maybe they're still waiting for you to speak. I thank you, God. In the next 24 hours, you're going to show them exactly where to start, exactly what to do, because you do it, Lord, and you're going to do it again. Come on, all God's people said, amen. Can we praise them? Yes. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.